people in the worship band, they have what are called in-ears. They're like special headphones. And they heard Brian screaming in their ears the whole entire night. And ever since that story, ever since hearing about that, I have been terrified of hot mics. I know that even, for instance, um, this past New Year's Eve, there was a hot mic that caught Anderson Cooper saying something, whatever it might be. But there was also a show on HBO titled The Jinx that was released like six years ago that followed a man named Robert Durst, and this is taking a, we're, we're going far left here, but it followed a man named Robert Durst who was connected to three murders. It was like a, the murder of his wife, the murder of a neighbor, and the murder of another person. He was connected to all three of them. But the state took him to court, and he was deemed not guilty. But it was really strange how he was connected to all three of these murders, and it never really made sense. And so HBO came, and they made a documentary to try and figure out who actually committed these murders. And during it, since there was still so much suspicion around Robert Durst, they interviewed him. And he, in this interview, once again, like, did a good job proving that he was not guilty. And so the, the producers and the director of this show, The Jinx, kind of walked away from this interview like, what are we going to do? Well, a couple, a couple months later, they went back to the footage, and they came across a hot mic. They didn't realize they had this audio footage of Robert Durst, literally seconds after the interview finished, he went to the bathroom. And while he was alone in the bathroom, not knowing his mic was on, he said these words, what did I do? I killed them all, of course. That hot mic would lead to him then being tried once more and proven guilty for the three murders that he did indeed commit. And he actually just, I think on Monday, died in prison. Recently, a professional golfer was caught hot on a mic saying a slur after he missed a putt, and his biggest sponsor, Ralph Lauren, dropped him because of it. And as usually goes with these types of stories, he put out a statement that said, that's not who I am. But friends, the reality of these hot mic stories and the sad truth is that our words tell us a whole lot about our hearts and who we actually are. When we say things out of anger or stress that we regret, we get a snapshot into the state of our heart. And so like I said, tonight we're going to be kicking off a new series called Welcome to the Upside Down, where we're going to be talking about what it means to live in the upside down. No, we are not talking about stranger things. We're talking about living as if the kingdom of heaven that is up actually came down to earth, if we actually lived as if we were people that belong to the kingdom of heaven. And tonight we're going to talk about what it means to have upside down character, to have the character of one who belongs to the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to kick off tonight in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 33. Would you open up with me to that on your phones or your Bibles, or you can look on the screen also. Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 33. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. It's about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. It says this, starting in verse 33. <clears throat> Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. 
you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus, we are thankful. We are thankful that we have your word, that in times of trouble we can turn towards your word, that we do not need to be a people that that proclaim, God, why don't you speak to me because you do speak to us every single time we read your word. And so, Lord, we are just thankful that you have spoken. God, be with us. Be with all of our friends who are sick. Be with everyone who cannot be here because they are sick. Be with parents who are sick. Be with students who are even feeling a little under the weather right now. God, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Do me a favor while I take a sip of water, turn to the person next to you, and give them a compliment about something they're wearing. Okay. Okay, let's bring it back in. Let's bring it back in. Thank you for complimenting each other so well. It's very kind of you. So in this small portion of scripture, we zoom in on Jesus talking to a group of Pharisees. Pharisees are just self-righteous religious teachers who thought they understood everything, when in reality they were known for looking at the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, and rejecting him at all points of his life. The Pharisees were not good people. One biblical scholar refers to this section of Matthew's gospel as a gracious warning, saying that it is a severe announcement. But it's an announcement mixed with admonishment, which just is a fancy word for warning. So it is Jesus both announcing something to the Pharisees and also warning the Pharisees of something at the exact same time. And what Jesus is announcing to them and warning to them is the state of their heart. Jesus is essentially saying this. Um, he, he's, he's saying, uh, let me see, uh, Jesus is essentially saying to this brood of vipers, so brood of vipers, you'll see this a couple times in the Gospels. And brood of vipers is better translated as sons of snakes. Sons of snakes. And so Jesus is calling these Pharisees sons of snakes. He's saying, you sons of snakes, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. In other words, in Matt Velasco translation, the MVT, you guys speak evil about me because you are evil. You are like a bad tree. Bad trees produce bad, rotten, inedible fruit. But good trees produce good, fresh, tasty fruit. And which do you want to be? Friends, we often underestimate the connection between the heart and the tongue. Say it one more time. We often underestimate the connection between our hearts and our tongues. We might admit the notion of what we call Freudian slips, which is Freud's idea that our tongues reveal our, self, our subconscious, but we deny that such slips of the tongue, those hot mic moments, are a reliable indicator of the state 
of our hearts. We say that's not who I am, but what Jesus is teaching here is that no, that is exactly who you are. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus is saying to us that whatever your heart is most full of will determine the words that come out of your mouth. Now, if we rewind to two-ish months ago, do you remember what we said when we talked about your treasures? Ready? Fill in the blank. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hopefully you see the connection. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And out of the abundance of your heart, your treasure comes the things that you say. So if you want to sound more like Jesus and have the character of Jesus, you need to place your treasure in him. But maybe you don't even know what it means to have the character of Christ or what we're calling upside down character tonight. This character consists of three things. You'll see them on the screen. It consists of faith, it consists of words, and it consists of actions. This order is really important, so pay attention to that. We're going to come back to it at the end. And we're going to start with faith. So we're going to go through each of these, and what does it mean for you to have or do that thing? And so what is faith, right? A lot of you might be thinking, like, I understand faith. Well, I hope you do. But if you don't, this is going to help you out. And even if you do, maybe you're wrong. So we'll find out. So starting in Romans 3, 28, you'll see it on the screen. It says this, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This verse is short, but it has some of the richest and most important theology or understanding of God that you can understand as young believers. And so let's break it down. I'm going to break it down to two parts. The first is justified by faith. The second is apart from the works of the law. So what does it mean to be justified by faith? It means that our faith saves us. That we are saved by our faith that we are saved and welcomed into the kingdom of God by our faith in Christ. The apart from the works of the law means that it is not our words or our actions that save us. So we are saved by faith, not by our works or our actions or our words. In fact, when we read Matthew 12 verses 33 through 37, we see that the good person that Jesus is talking about isn't the one that follows all of the rules. Because that's what a Pharisee was. It's the epitome of a Pharisee, one who does all the right stuff. They're the ones that Jesus calls a son of snakes. When he says son of snakes, he is alluding back to the Garden of Eden when a snake tempted Eve to take the fruit and eat, thereby disobeying God's command and introducing sin into the world. Jesus is functionally calling the one who thinks that it is their work, so the things that they do that saves them. He's calling them a son of the tempter. If you want to go one step further and get crude with it, he's calling them a son of Satan. He's saying, you son of Satan, it is not your works that saves you. It's your faith. 
The good person that Jesus is talking about is the one who has placed their faith in Christ. So you want to be good? Then place your faith in Christ. You want to do good things? Then place your faith in Christ. And it is only the one who has placed their faith in Christ that can produce good fruit. So I have a question. Is faith in Christ your starting point or your end goal? Because, friends, if it is your end goal, you will never get there. Like, if you're like, I want to work there, I want to earn my way there, it's like a spot on the varsity team. If I just practice hard enough, if I work hard enough, if I memorize fast enough, if I do all of the right things, if I talk to all of the right people, I'll get there. It's your end goal. But what I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt is that if faith is your end goal, then you will never, ever get there. At the end of your life, you'll look at all of your striving, and it will all be meaningless. You might be able to say, oh, I helped the person there, but God is saying, but did you believe in me? Oh, I gave money to charity, but did you worship me? God, I did all the right things, but did you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? If you want to produce good fruit, then it must start with faith in Christ. Well, Matt, what is, what's good fruit? Well, those are your words and your actions. And so now we're going to move on to words. We started with faith and then words. Jesus is clear. Our words are directly impacted by our faith. He says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37, You brood of vipers, you sons of snakes, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. When Jesus says, by your words you will be justified, what he is saying here is that you are saved through a profession of the faith, right? So Paul says, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, Paul's, or Jesus is saying that it's by your profession of faith that you are saved. Luke says it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We speak the language of wherever your heart has its home. You speak the language of wherever your heart has its home. Think about it like accents, or think about it like literal languages. If you speak German and have a German accent, you are probably German. If you speak Spanish and have an accent as if you come from somewhere in Central America or Spain, you are probably Spanish. However you speak can tell me where your heart calls home. So I could probably have a conversation with you, and it's not some magic trick. It's just listening well. I can have a conversation with you, ask you some questions, and I can probably start to glean what you value most in life based off how you speak. 
Do you sound like a hockey player? Do you speak like a hockey player? Then your heart probably calls hockey home. Does your heart call TikTok home? Then you're going to sound and speak a whole lot like the most recent TikTok trend. Does your heart call unclean music home? Then you're going to sound and speak a whole lot like whoever you listen to the most. Does your heart call Jesus home? Because that's the only way to sound and speak a whole lot like Jesus. Your words tell me a whole lot of what you are full of. So what are you full of? Like if you're just a ponder on that. Ponder on the fact that you speak the language of wherever your heart has its home. Can you identify what that is? When you're in school, do people know that you're a Christian based off the way you speak? Based off the words you use? It's not to say hockey's bad or music's bad or TikTok's bad. But it is to say that when you make it home, you are placing something in your heart where Jesus belongs. Matt, I just want more of my friends to know that I follow Jesus. Or I just want more of my friends to, to know that I'm a Christian. Well, do you talk like one? Do you talk like one? What are you full of? Faith, number one. Words, number two. Number three, actions. Matthew 12, verse 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Romans 14, 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is going to seem like a bit of a left turn. But let me just, by a show of hands, how many of you know what the Reformation is? The Reformation. How many of you have ever heard of the Reformation? Right? Started in 1517. We just celebrated the 500th year anniversary in 2017. Started in 1517 when Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the castle church doors in Wittenberg, Germany. And one of the key pieces of the Reformation was to critique, shh, listen up, was to critique an absolute rejection of the doctrine of works-based salvation. Meaning, like what we've been talking about, that you can earn your way into heaven. Or if you do enough good, you will be granted admittance into the kingdom of God. In fact, this critique was like half of the 95 theses themselves. And since then, this idea of works has been wholly avoided by the Christian church. We run away from it like the plague or like COVID-19. And don't get me wrong, for good reason. Like, as much as I don't like the term slippery slope, it can be a really slippery slope. However, what it has also caused for many Christians and for much of the church is to avoid the idea of good actions or good works entirely. And yet James says in James chapter 2, verse 24, 
you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. But Matt, isn't that contradicting Paul? Like, doesn't Paul just write something completely different? In fact, Matt, this is why I don't believe the Bible, because the Bible contradicts itself. Well, that's not true. Friends, here's a fun fact. The Bible never contradicts itself. If you think the Bible contradicts itself, you have read it wrong, and you need to do a better job reading your Bible. So let's see what Paul actually has to say about it in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so how do these two pieces of scripture work together? How do we rightly view actions, good actions, or good works as a Christian? Simply put, Paul is telling us that our works don't save us. And James is telling us that our salvation should result in good works. So our works do not save us, but because of our salvation, we should seek to do good things to other people. So what might these works be? Like practically speaking, what might that be? They don't, they're actually oftentimes not very extravagant. And so let's just give you some quick and simple, you could apply this to your life tomorrow, good works that you can do because of your salvation. The first one, obeying your parents. A good work that you can do in Jesus Christ is obey your parents. You can study hard in school in order to honor God with your mind. That's a good work. You can practice hard in your sport in order to honor God with your body. That's a good work. You can choose sexual purity in your relationships. That's a good work. You can not fall into temptation at a party. That's a good work. You can pick up trash that you see in your school or on the sidewalk. That is a good work. And you can serve those who are ignored in your schools or in society. That is a good work. The list could go on and on and on. And so it's not that we receive salvation through our good actions like Martin Luther condemned, but it's that our salvation should produce in the life of a Christian good actions. In other words, let your actions be motivated by your faith not by a desire to look like you have faith or to achieve the faith you want to have. So my last question for you, are your actions driven by sincere faith in Christ or by a desire to prove to yourself and to others that you have faith or a desire to work your way into faith? Because you can't do that. I want you to be able to visualize what we've been talking about tonight. And so here on the screen, you're going to see a, a graphic that we're going to use to wrap up, but also help you understand what this practically looks like. So on the left, we see the starting point is actions, right? So if you look at the, the words on the, 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 or it's actually on the right. On the right, the starting point is actions. And your actions lead to your words. So if you do write good stuff, you will start to say good things. And if you do and say the right stuff, you'll get faith. 
the wrong way of looking at it. And so we think if I do the right things and I say the right things, it means I have faith. But the truth is that we have to flip that upside down. It starts with faith, which leads to how we speak, which leads to how we act. And so we rightly think that if I have faith, it will impact the things I say and influence the things I do. We want to be people that live on the left side of this graphic. We want to be people that flip it upside down. Is it the right side for you guys? Oh, that's why I was saying it wrong. My perspective, my bad. The right side of this graphic. The right side. I didn't do well in elementary school, apparently. We want to be people that live on the right side of this graphic. No pun intended. It means that we have to live with upside down character. It means that we might have to live or we will have to live in a way that culture disagrees with. They're going to look at you and they're going to think, that's weird. Why are you doing that? Like, hey man, everyone who's cool is doing it. And it's like the age old, like, come of age movie trope. Like, hey, everyone who's cool is smoking cigarettes. Or everyone who's cool is whatever. Josh is like, yep. Cool people smoke cigs. <laughs> oh, just kidding. They don't. However, I'll confess something. LB's in here. She's like, oh, no, what she's about to do. I literally was walking down the street the other day, and I saw a dude who looked really cool, and he was smoking a cigarette, and it was like the first time ever in my whole entire life where I was like, that looks cool. And then I went and bought books in Barnes & Noble. 50% off hardcover sale. Anyone else? Come on, one. Jay and I bought, I think, 12 books at Barnes Noble. 12? Yeah. That was bad. Anyways, we want to be people that we do everything. Everything we do proceeds from our faith in Jesus Christ. Every single thing we do proceeds from our faith in Jesus Christ, whether it's obeying our parents, studying hard in school, practicing hard in sports, choosing sexual purity, not falling into temptation at a party, picking up trash and serving our planet well, serving those who are ignored in school or society, whatever it might be. We do these things because we have upside-down character in Jesus Christ. And it requires us to flip upside down our thinking and start from faith. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you that you have brought all of us here tonight. Uh, would you bless our time in small group, Lord, as we talk about this message, as we talk about uh, all that has transpired over the past couple of weeks, Lord. We love you. Um, we also, we do love Mike Zimmer and Matt Nagy, but thank you for removing them from their position of employment. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.